the American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must eat America back. Main Street to Wall Street. Hello, Patriots and Freedom Fighters. Hey, producer Mike. Uh, anyway, broadcasting from my home studio in downtown Belfont, Pennsylvania, worldwide as National Intel Report, live on Republic Broadcasting Network, Liberty Lighthouse on Mojo 50 Radio, Patriot Nation Radio Network, and anywhere else you might happen to hear the show. I'm Peter Seraphine, and I'm here to remind you that free speech is not free. Support this free speech platform, whatever platform it is, if you're watching the video. And uh, you can do that on Twitch and Facebook and YouTube and, I don't know, like six or eight different places. You can find the video. If for some reason you want to see my ugly mug, you can do that. I want to, hey, I haven't had some horrible video uh, technical difficulties the last three weeks. And uh, video kept freezing and, and, and eventually got so bad that it was affecting my audio. I have done everything I can think of as a really not a techie guy, to fix that. So tonight's the test run. I've got a, a hard landline run to my computer. I doubled the, the uh, RAM in my computer, and I replaced the feed uh, cord, wire, whatever, between my camera and my computer. So if I still have technical difficulties today with this video stream, then uh, I, I don't know what to do. So anyway, back to... Support Free Speech Networks however you can. Donate if you have the, the ability to do so. We're going to talk about some financial stuff in here in a minute, which might make you think that's a bad idea. But uh, if you need to buy something, check out their websites, use their promo codes, buy stuff from them. We greatly appreciate it. We've got two guests tonight, if everything works out right. One is going to be uh, Brent Hamachak from humanevents.com and commongroundcampus.com. He's going to be joining us at the bottom of this first hour. And then at the top of the second hour, so 7 o'clock Eastern Time, Thursday, May 4th, if you're watching live, Dave Summerall from StompHate.com will be joining us. Before we get there, though, I want to talk about the world of finances. What is going on? We have had three pretty significant banks fail in three weeks. And one of those three is the second largest bank failure in U.S. history. That's significant. Then just yesterday, so Wednesday, a fourth bank, a fourth regional bank, said, hey, yeah, we might want to sell. So they put out some feelers looking for somebody to buy their bank. And their stock, in in after-hours trading, their stock plummeted. Like, like as bad as Bud Light's, just down. It was horrible. So what's going on? Part of that, 
corollary. Think back. I want you to think back to, well, unless you're really freaking old, think back to before you were born. Maybe a history class you may have taken at some point. This thing that was called the Great Depression. So in 1930, the United States was in a recession. Does that word sound familiar? In a recession, just like today. So we were in a recession in 1930, and then in November 1930, some, uh, well, banks started to fail. Hmm. And as soon as the banks started to fail, then there was a run on the banks. It was so bad that President FDR put a made a four-hour bank holiday, shutting down all of the banks in the United States for four hours to let people you know, calm down and cool their heads, to uh, pause the run on the banks. Are we getting there yet? Are we almost to the, oh, my God, we have to close the banks situation now? Because it was the run on the banks that, that kicked off the Great Depression, Recession, bank failure, depression. We've been in a recession, even though, you know, the federal government tried to tell you it's not really, that's not the definition of recession. Two consecutive quarters of negative GDP, that's not really a recession. We've been in a recession, regardless of what the uh, financial geniuses in uh, Washington, D.C. try to tell you. We've been in this recession, and now we're having bank failures And my God, it's starting to look like 1930. Three bank failures in three weeks and a fourth one really close. Now, what's making it even worse now than in 1930 is something called fractional reserve banking. And I don't know what you know about fractional reserve banking or don't know about fractional reserve banking. So I'm going to give you a a high-level, high school-educated version of what fractional reserve banking is. See, if you and I, if you want to loan money to somebody else, you actually have to have that money to give to that somebody else. Right? I mean, it just makes sense. I'm going to loan you $100. I have to have the $100 to give you. Well, in fractional reserve banking, banks here in the United States only have to have 10% of what they loan out. 10% deposit reserves. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means if a bank is worth $10 million, they only have to have a million dollars in cash in order to loan out $10 $10 million. So what happens when somebody can't pay back those loans? Or worse yet, here's a scenario for you. What happens if all of a sudden a bunch of people want to take their money out of the bank? Well, then they drop below that 10%. They don't have the uh, fractional reserve that they're supposed to have. I theorize 
that if just 5% of us, we the people, the taxpayers, the customers of these banks, if just 5% of us were to go take all of our money out of the bank, the entire banking system of the entire country would just fail. I don't know. Can't prove it because high school educated nobody here. But that sounds like a bad thing to me. Fractional reserve banking sounds like a bad thing to me. I, I think that that's asking for banks to fail. But that's just me. There's a whole lot of you people out there listening that are a lot smarter than me. You might have better explanations or better ideas. So let's open up the phone lines. This is a live call-in show. If you've never been here before, you're just joining us for the first time. Live call-in show. Call in. Get your voice, your opinion, your knowledge on the air worldwide. 512-248-8252. That's one 512-248-8252. 512-248-8252 if you're outside of the continental or outside of the United States. Or toll-free at 800-313-9443. What do you think about the fractional reserve banking system or the three, almost four banks that have failed in three weeks? Call in, tell me your opinions, 512-248-8252. But first, let me tell you about the Wellness Company. The Wellness Company is, well, it's twc.health, and it's a fan-freaking-tastic place for you to go and find doctors and pharmacists and all of the medical professionals that you might need that have not fallen for the woke virus. These are the people that stood up for your medical freedom rights all during the COVID lockdown stuff. Many of them were canceled off of the internet because they held these <gasps> scary opinions about individuality. TWC.health, you can get some fantastic American-made supplements and vitamins and such, or you can talk to a doctor, a little online virtual meeting with a doctor. Maybe maybe you want a three-month supply of your medicine just in case the world goes to crap. These doctors can help you get that. That's TWC.health. And while you're there, use the code LIGHTHOUSE and uh, save yourself a little bit of money and help support the show. Greatly appreciate it. It's time to make George Orwell fiction again. So we can't talk about banking or finances without talking about the Federal Reserve. Now, the Federal Reserve, supposedly the National Bank of the United States, but it's a corporation. It's not actually national. It's not our government. It was established in authorized by our government, but it's not part of the government. It's out there all by itself, you know, created in 1913. One of the 
big three that I call it. The three horrible, horrible things that led have led to the downfall of the great republic of the United States that all happened in 1913 under President Woodrow Wilson. Creating the Federal Reserve was one of them. Well, they just raised interest rates another quarter point. And I say another quarter point because that is the 10th time, 10, T-E-N, 10 times in a row that the uh, Federal Reserve has raised the the, uh, benchmark interest rate. Now, that benchmark interest rate is now 5.25%. Now, to give you an idea what that means, my mortgage on my house that I bought about seven years ago is 3.875% interest. If I were to take that same mortgage out today, you know, the benchmark at 5.25, chances are my rate would be closer to 6.25, if not 7.25. Basically, my interest rate would be double what it is today, what it is now, what I currently have, because I locked it in seven years ago. That's a big jump in seven years. Kentucky Leprechaun on line one. Welcome to the show, sir. Good evening, my friend. How are you? The uh, I think the government that's running the place now is following what the Kenyan had wanted done multiple years back, reduce our economy to the level of those of the non-developed countries. So... What I believe creepy, sleepy, kiss him, feel him, sniff him, Uncle Petachino Joe is doing is giving away as much of our money, resources that he can so that they can bankrupt America, get rid of the dollar altogether, and bring in the new, quote-unquote, digital coin from the central banks. At least that's what I presume that they're doing I, like you, am not a highly educated individual. I do a talk show on Sunday, so I'm not that far up the food chain. I'm not a Bongino or a uh, Glenn Beck. I'm just a Joe Schmo putt running around the streets like everybody else. But it sure looks like writing on the wall that they want to totally destroy America. The best way to do it, get rid of the dollar. Once they've gotten rid of the dollar... They can do with us as they will, and unfortunately, it looks like that's what they're doing. In my opinion, what do you think? Whether they're doing it intentionally or not, that is what they're doing. Um, if if their goal is to destroy the American dollar, they're they're doing great. If their goal is to, uh, I don't know, keep giving us, we the people, money and turn us socialist, and oops, the dollar gets destroyed in the in the process. You know, it, it's definitely getting destroyed. And the funny thing about it is they really don't even have to destroy the dollar. All they have to do is get it unlinked from Petros. You know, we are the world's you know, reserve currency or whatever only because of the OPEC nations requiring payment in, in U.S. dollars. If the OPEC nations and, and all change and they say, ah, 
we don't, you can pay us in gold or silver or pesos or whatever, you know, we'll do the math. Then the dollar's gone. And they're, they're working on that now. Yeah, the BRICS. Uh, wasn't it China got with Brazil to Brazil? yuan instead of the dollar? And yep. also Brazil, Russia, India. with buddies for the same thing? Brazil, Russia, India, China, and something with an S, I don't remember. Yeah, the, they're, they're working on, on replacing it all and, and, and making a, a, another currency. Yep. And it's a gold-backed currency. <gasps> what? A precious metal-backed currency? You mean a currency that actually has tangible value? Now that's a And backing with money, I mean, with tangible resources? <laughs> no, that would never happen here. No, no. No, no. Hey, Lep, thanks very much for your call. Always appreciate you hearing. Brother, you have a great show. Hey, thanks for calling. Have a good night. We got Jerry in Chicago on line three. Jerry, what's your take on this situation? Now, I really don't have a take. I was basically calling to ask you. I, I, I'd heard some certain things that your money in the bank is not safe, okay? They can turn around and say, have a banker bail in. Um, how about credit unions? you think your money is any safer in a credit union? Uh, uh, it depends on how you define safer. Um, I, I would think... A credit union is is safer than a traditional bank, but it's still not as safe as something tangible. A, a that I will union, agree with hundred percent. A, a, a credit union is a lot like uh, you know, uh, it's a wonderful life. It's it's like the building and loan there, right? Credit unions are you give them the money and and you're basically part owner of that company. You're buying shares into that that facility that bank that credit union so you actually have a say on how it's run if you choose to vote and all of those kinds of things so uh, yeah, okay so in a credit union you at least have have a little bit of say on how it's done and you know there's the the, the depositors are shareholders and it, like i said it's a little safer but if the dollar collapses, it doesn't matter where it is. I mean, it doesn't matter if you've got it under your mattress. In the uh, what's the the German the is it the Weimar Germany? Is that what it was called before Hitler? Well, Weimar. Yeah, Weimar. When when that when that currency collapsed, a loaf of bread went from a couple of marks to hundreds of marks. When when Russia with the U.S. SSR, you know, big scary Soviet Union. When they collapsed in the early 1990s, you, I remember seeing videos of people with um, literally wheelbarrows of paper rubles in their wheelbarrow going to buy groceries. So it doesn't matter where it is. If the dollar collapses, it's worthless whether it's under your mattress or in your wallet or in a bank or a credit union or anywhere. Okay, another question real quick is you said uh, tangible. All right, um, I rent. Now, okay. is, it, is, it, is it a wise idea if, if, our, if our currency is going to go bye-bye is to pay my rent maybe a year and a half in advance because now they've got it in their account and, and it's a done deal. Uh, they can't come back and say, 
oh, this money's no good. You you owe us this rent. I mean, is that a good idea? That's an interesting thought. That's hmm. Let me think just a second here. Okay, if if you know for certain that your landlord or whatever company owns wherever you rent, if you know for certain that they can survive the collapse, then yeah, that would be a wise thing to do. But if if you pay a year in advance, the economy goes to crap, your dollar's worth nothing, and they can't pay their taxes, and they lose the property because they can't pay their bills and their taxes, well, then you're out on your ear either way. And now you're hmm. out whatever you already paid them. Okay, because, I mean, as soon as I get a little bit of uh, stashed cash in the bank, I pay three months' rent. So I'm, I'm paid through uh, June of next year. Um, and I also have a storage unit. And I'm paid probably through January of this coming January. Uh, so, uh, like I said, I, I and then, you know, the... The supplies and the fuel and everything else like that. I stock up on all of this stuff. So I'm, I'm getting rid of the money before the bank can steal it from me. I mean, pay, prepaying is a brilliant idea. I mean, if if you can afford to do so, I wouldn't go too far in advance because of, like I said, if it collapses and they, you know, then you're out on your ear either way. But I, I, I still go back to the buy gold, buy silver. And not this oh, we'll keep it in the vault for you, crap. No, buy stuff that delivered to your door that you could hold in your hand. Precious metals have never been worth zero. Every time a, a paper currency collapses, it goes, well, all right, here, here's how it works, right? Paper money goes away. The first items of bartering, the first things that, that get, have value after the collapse of a paper currency are tobacco and alcohol and medicine tobacco alcohol and, and pretty much any kind of medicine right so if if, if you want to get past that first couple of months go to the liquor store buy a couple of cases of booze and a couple of cases of cigarettes and put them in a freezer to keep them say you know fresh or whatever tobacco and alcohol are your first bits of bartering because those are things that people that are addicted can't do without they'll they'll skip food to get cigarettes. And I'm a smoker, so I can say that. Then, once that first, oh my God, I need my stuff, goes away, then they go, they, all right, well, what can we use? How can we, you know, trade and what, you know, barter and all this kind of stuff. Other than just typical bartering, you know, having a skill that's valuable to somebody else, it always goes back to gold and silver. It always goes back to, to precious metals that you can hold in your hand. Okay, well, so, you know what? I, I deal with Kettle Moraine, Jeffrey Bennett. He's on the show after yours. Yep. And uh, well, I haven't dealt with them now for probably eight, nine months. But, you know, you're right. I'm, I'm going to put the next little, next little nest egg of maybe four or $5,000. I think I'm going to give him a call and, and get him to set me up with more silver. So, but I, I've got the alcohol, I've got the alcohol, i got the cigarettes, um, I've got, uh, well, nutritional powder mixes, vitamins, nutrients, minerals, things like that, filtered water, um, 
you know, just, uh, you know, I've been doing this now for 12, 13 years, so I'm trying to get stocked up as much as I can. Guns, ammo, you know. Oh, yeah, uh, ammo. Everything. I forgot to say that. Ammo is another one of those first-line barter items. Um, I One bit, this is personal advice. I'm not a financial advisor. I don't play one on the TV or the radio or anything like that. But me, personally, I don't like spending the money for the collectible you know, gold eagle coins and stuff like that. I just buy rounds, just, you know, one ounce silver, one gram gold. I don't care what's stamped on it. I just buy it for the metal content. Thanks for your call, Jerry. Hey, it's break time. Three minute commercial break. When we come back on the other side, we got uh, Brent Hamachek. Sarah, stay on the phone. We'll be right, right with you. I'm proud to be partnering with Cedar Mill Fine Firearms. Cedar Mill Fine Firearms does some of the coolest firearms cases you'll find anywhere. Have you ever wanted to carry your AR-15 discreetly? How about a rifle case that looks like a guitar case until you open it up? Go to CedarMillFirearms.com and use the code LIGHTHOUSE the next time you're looking for a cleaning kit or a case to carry your firearms. That's cedarmillfirearms.com and use the code LIGHTHOUSE. Some people say a man is made out of mud. A poor man's made out of muscle and blood. I don't know what that music was, but hey, whatever. Thanks, Mike. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Peter Seraphine, your Thursday host of National Intel Report live on Republic Broadcasting Network, Liberty Lighthouse, everywhere else you find the show. And it's uh, May 4th, so may the 4th be with you. And as I promised, we came back from break, we would have Brett Hamachek from uh, Human Events and, and Common Grounds Campus. Thank you. Welcome back. It's nice to be back. You know, my my life goes now one month at a time so because i'm on once a month on so it's like yesterday was a month ago and i've got to find a better way to sort of manage my my life expectancy here i, I do you know if if this is how you're marking time i'm i'm honored <laughs> but that's sad so well I, I properly understood for your audience i am a tragic figure so there's probably some truth in that but uh i'm happy to be back so glad to be here all right well we have a caller on hold who, who was kind enough to stick around through the break. So let's bring her on. We got Sarah in Oregon on line five. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hello, everybody. This is Sarah Nichols, your, your free speech advocate. Use any platform you like, but share, share, share all your shows out. Then you will all be happy. Bye. Thanks, Sarah. I greatly appreciate that. And please do like Sarah says, no matter where you're watching or listening to this show from, share it out on all your social medias, text your friends, your family, tell everybody what you're listening to. Now, Brent, yes, I, sir. I listen to your, to your book because, like I said, I do almost every book in audio form because right. I'm a mailman. I spend five hours a day driving around town, so why not listen? I listened to it after last month's show, and I thought, wow, that's great. And then I listened to it again yesterday because I knew you were coming back on today. And I thought, let's get this fresh in my mind. 
which is really hard to do because I'm getting old. Nothing stays fresh right. in my mind very long. But I, I have a coworker who's, let's just say, a little on the liberal side. Great guy. Right. Love him to death. One of the nicest people you ever meet. Give you the shirt off of his back kind of fella. Just happens to be liberal. I told him about your book. I said, look, I know it's written by somebody from my side of the political aisle. And you can tell that when you read the book. But ignore that part and listen to what he says, because he makes a lot of sense. That book was How America Lost Its Wings. Broke its wings. Yeah. Broke its wings. That's right. How America Broke Its Wings. It's freaking brilliant. Well, that's very, that's very kind. I appreciate that. I, um, I had a chance this past weekend to be the keynote speaker in southeast Wisconsin at a Lincoln Day dinner. And I sort of brought that material back, and I, I built my speech around it. And it was interesting because at the beginning of the presentation, these are a room of, you know, filled with very politically active people. And so what I did is I had a few slides. And, you know, the first one was uh, Rand Paul and, and Ted Cruz. And so I asked the, the group, who's more right wing? And I got half the room voting for one and half the room voting for the other. And I wandered around the room like Jerry Springer and uh, asked people, so you said Ted Cruz, tell me why. And, uh, and then by the time we were done with the slides, the last one being Rand Paul and Adolf Hitler, the audience realized that they had tied themselves in knots, that when we say someone's far right or far left, we don't know what we mean. We don't know what somebody else is thinking we mean. And, and we, we sort of just use them as pejorative terms. And as a result, we can't get anything solved because we're arguing from a paradigm that it's not just that it's broken. It literally doesn't exist. And so how do you solve problems in a divided nation if your premises in the first place are garbage? And, and they are garbage. I mean, the, the use of, of the right and the left, far right, far left. I mean, here's the problem we have. Just sort of close the note on that. The problem we have is if you explain this to somebody, they'll say, well, I understand what you mean, but... Every, that's the language everyone's used to. Exactly. That's the problem. Yep. So the fact that people will continue to use those terms means we can't break out of the problem because they're using terms that everybody else likes to use, but they're not communicating with them effectively because no two people have the same definition of what the terms mean. Right. They're just hate terms. That's all. There's yeah. nothing more to them. Okay, so I, if I remember correctly, you kind of came up with rather than right and left, you had um, individualist versus collectivist as one way of looking at it, which I, I would definitely fall on the individualist side of that. I, I, I'm a constitutional originalist. I, I think that... Well, I think that if it's not specifically spelled out in the U.S. Constitution, our federal government has no right doing it, whatever it is. So one of the things, my best friend lives right across the street, a guy named Jamil. Jamil's liberal, although he's leaning more and more conservative the, the longer I've known him now. 
Right. Um, Jamil is one of those healthcare is a human right kind of people and thinks that the government should pay for healthcare for everybody. And I'm like, well, okay. What other human rights does the government pay for? Well, they give you food stamps if you can prove that you can't afford food. But like, just because something's a human right doesn't mean that it has to be subsidized by somebody else. And then, to take that a step further, um, sure, I'd love free health care for all of Americans. That'd be fantastic. But is the government the bloated, wasteful, corrupt, inept, incompetent federal government the best way to do that? I mean, do I want these people in charge of my health care? I'm a disabled veteran. I already use their health care system. I can tell you, no, you don't want that. My point being, as you put in your book, we often want the same end result. We just differ on how to get there. Right. And how we get there, how we get there matters. And so there's, there's three different ways to slice this. One is, when you mention that sort of individualist versus collectivist piece, that's, that is at an individual level. So you or I can have a view, a general view of uh, the role of government in society. And we can tend to be more individualistic in nature where we believe most things should be left to the individual, or we could be, more collectivist in nature, where we might believe that things should be collectively decided. So that's at the individual level. At the sort of, what we'll call it kind of like the sociological level, then what, what I say is that we have all those different folks, right, different individualists or collectivists, wind up on either team right or team left. And those teams have platoons. So for example, the obvious easy one is that we have pro-choice on team left and pro-life on team right. And what I found over time in research is that people tend to end up on a political team based upon what their most important issue is. So if my whole world is about pro-choice, I'm going to wind up on team left. And then I'm going to fit the rest of myself into accommodating and supporting all of the other team left platoons might not even really be something my heart is in, but I'll support my teammates and I'm on the team because I'm on the platoon of pro choice. So that's another problem. And then the one you alluded to a moment ago and talking about your friend in healthcare. Now we start to get into actually literally an ethical situation. And so the whole model from Sumner in the late 1800s, a sort of father of sociology, where he talked about the forgotten man, A and B get together to find a way to help D. So they take something from C to do it. And C becomes the forgotten man. FDR used the term during his presidency. He corrupted it and stole it. He just so forget FDR. So, so we, we have to say, okay, we want everybody to have access to health care. But in order to do that, you're going to have to start to take things from some to give to others. There is no other way to do it. 
instead becomes an ethical issue, right? I mean, literally, it's an ethical issue. I'm, I'm mostly an objectivist, so I don't like the idea of free health care for everyone because I know the only way to do that is to punish and take from people things they have to give it to others. So this, this exists on multiple different levels. P- so people can have different uh, disagreements for different reasons. I'm more of an uh, individualist. My friend's more of a collectivist. I'm on team rights pro-life platoon, and somebody's on team lefts. I think it's not ethical to take from someone else involuntarily and give it to someone else, and another person thinks that's maybe the Christian thing to do. So all sorts of moving parts here, but so long as we're looking at it the wrong way and using the wrong language and just insulting each other, we can't make any progress. And I think, as I just demonstrated, this is complicated enough in the first place. Right. See, I go to the, oh, yeah, I sure, I'd love free health care. Why can't we do it like St. Jude's and Shriners and, you know, community hospitals? There's, there's multimillionaire and billionaire people out there who are the, you know, free health care for everybody. Well, give your money to a charity and set up free health care through a charity. But, of course, they won't do that. <laughs> right, right. I mean, look, that's sort of the, the Hollywood problem. I mean, there, there is nobody, and I mean nobody, who should ever take any of the social justice proclamations from celebrities seriously. So I live in a decent enough home here in the Chicago suburbs, not terribly fancy, good size, um, plenty big enough for just about anybody unless they're, I don't know, Mormon and have 20 children. So nice, regular house, nice yard. Every single celebrity, whether they're a musician or an actor, it doesn't make any difference. If they're not living in a house like mine, they should shut up because Mm -hmm. they have more than they need. And anything they're talking about that needs to be done for others, they haven't even begun to do themselves what they're trying to call on the rest of us to do involuntarily. So ignore celebrities. You know, um, Taylor Swift, uh, you know, one of the loudest mouths out there. Uh, Look, she's I, I don't know her, so I don't know if she's an idiot or if she's evil. But frankly, I can't be bothered to choose. I do know this. She's a rank hypocrite. Mm-hmm. And anybody that listens to her, well, I'd call them a fool, but perhaps they're just lazy. They certainly need to check their premises because all of these folks, if they really believed what they're saying, and they don't, if they really believed it, they'd live in my house because they don't need the mansions and they don't need the boats and they don't need the airplanes. They could just live like this. They'd be very physically comfortable. And they could just give away hundreds of millions of dollars. But gosh, they don't do that, do they? So stop listening to them. You know, I listen to their music, but not what they say. Right. You're an actor, an athlete, a, a singer, whatever. You got rich and famous because of said talent. That's all we really want from you. You know, right. Like, Robert De Niro is a great example. I love almost every movie I've ever seen sure. of Robert De Niro. But anytime I see him talking about anything other than acting, I want to smack him. 
Like, hey, I'm a huge Springsteen fan. I know the I know right? the drill. It's the same thing. Like Bruce Springsteen, right. great music, but my God, shut up about everything else. Right? It, yeah, it's it's frustrating. You you look at the incredible following that LeBron James has, and here's a guy. First of all. Uh, to, to best of my knowledge, he's he's one of the most open racists in America. So um, that's just from his social media feed. So here's a guy who's just sort of hateful and bigoted. But beyond that, he makes a big deal out of, you know, all the things we need to do with regard to Black Lives Matter and the police and all those things. Tell you what, LeBron, I'll start listening to you, at least the non-racist parts of you the minute you buy a house next door to mine yeah i'll listen to you then otherwise shut up yeah because none of what you're saying is sincere it just that isn't all of them i mean you know the whole colin kaepernick you know take a knee because i'm oppressed mm-hmm. you were adopted and raised by rich white people you are paid millions of dollars to play a game and in in your off time when you're not playing the game you don't do anything to give back you you haven't given millions to charity you're not out in the community doing things you just took a knee when the national anthem was playing and that again it's hypocrisy it's it's john Kerry and the private jet and and the electric bill that was you know through the roof like the 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 size of five or ten houses around him it's hypocrisy and they're all hypocritical, and we all need to just stop listening to anybody that's talking outside of their sphere of, of expertise. Right, exactly. So, and one of the things that's important, uh, I want to make a distinction, is that, you know, so you can look at, say, Warren Buffett, and people talk about all of the billions of dollars he's given away. That's not what I'm talking about. Until Warren Buffett gives away all of his billions of dollars and lives maybe across the street from me, which in my neighborhood is a slightly better address because of my backyard. Long story, doesn't matter. The point is, Warren Buffett, I'll let him live across the street from me, okay? Slightly better address. But if you give away all of your billions and you only keep a billion or you even keep, you only keep 500 million, shut up because the rest of us don't live with that kind of level of comfort. And so when you start to put oppressive tax rates and regulatory burden and rules on us about how we live our lives, we're not quite as comfortable moving about the building as you are. And I think as, as Americans, you know, there, social media has done a lot of great things, but it's done a lot of bad things. And one of them is that people start to follow people that entertain them, like a Taylor Swift or a LeBron James, and they start to follow what they say, and so they start to listen to them. And that's a tragedy. Because, again, they're either evil or idiots, and I can't be bothered to tell the difference. But just because somebody's uh, a public figure and is really good at you know, taking off from the free throw line and dunking a basketball doesn't mean they have a serious thought in their head or a non-hateful one. Right. Of course, I don't feel strongly about these things, as you can tell. No, not at all. Hey, anyway... <laughs> I want to tell people, Right to Bear Insurance. If you own a firearm, you need to visit Right to Bear Insurance at protectwithbear.com. 
protectwithbear.com. Use code Lighthouse. I'll save you 10% off of what's already the most affordable carry insurance on the market. They they protect you in uh, criminal defense, in civil defense, in psychological support afterwards if you have to use your gun. And they'll replace your gun if you have to use your gun and it gets confiscated. Right to bear insurance. Protectwithbear.com. Use load the code Lighthouse to save yourself 10%. In this same vein here, Brent, I, I think it was just last week I said I used to have a lot of respect for Bernie Sanders. I honestly thought Bernie Sanders believed the garbage that he spewed. I never agreed with anything he said. Right. I didn't, but I respected him because I thought that he believed the nonsense that he spewed out of his mouth. And then he got a million dollar book deal. And he changed his, we got to take from the millionaires and the billionaires. And he just said, take from the billionaires. He dropped millionaires off of it because he's a millionaire. Right. And then when questioned in an interview, somebody said, well, you're a socialist. What are you going to do with a million dollar book deal? Shouldn't, isn't that like against socialists? And right. Right. His response was, well, you can go get a million dollar book deal too. Like, oh, that's called capitalism, Bernie. Even the socialists like capitalism when it works in their favor. I lost all respect from Bernie Sanders or for Bernie Sanders in that one instance. He showed that he was just as much of a hypocrite as all of the other ones out there. Well, so here's what we here's what we really learned in that example. I'd suggest okay. it's not it's not that we learned he isn't really a socialist. It's that we learned what kind of socialist he is. So uh, one of the things I like to point out to people is that there's two types of socialism. One is the kind that Marx wrote about, the one that takes us from a mature capitalist society and brings us to a communist society eventually, right? The, the true beginning of history for Marx. So that sort of socialism is in motion. It's not static. And it's designed to get us to a place where ultimately there is no private property. But the other model, the fascist model of socialism, is one where you have a very large, powerful central government surrounded by large pillars of industry, right? So everything gets condensed and consolidated, very large, very powerful. And then you just keep building the power structure. This is the, this is the model from Nazi Germany or from fascist Italy. So there was private ownership of things there. There were people that built tremendous worth. All the while, they were involved in the process of centrally planning, managing, and overseeing economic, political, and social activity. That's what socialism is. So it's okay to say I'm a socialist, but I want to get rich. It just means, ah, thank you. We know what kind of socialist you are. You're a fascist and not a communist. So that's what we learned about Bernie Sanders. All these, 
all these things, calling him a communist all these years because he what went to Moscow or something on his honeymoon mm-hmm. back in the 1400s or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, so we learned, gosh, he's he's not a he's not a commie. He's a Mussolini guy, right? So he just wants to sell books and have the trains run on time. That's right. who he is. Well, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's a great explanation, and and that kind of ties right back to what we what you and I started talking about, which was how America broke its wings, where where you spell out the the right left wing paradigm is a completely made up construct based on uh, you know World War II, where you know here we're fighting the fascists and the Nazis. And we need the help of the commies. And the commies had proudly like been waving the, the banner of being left wing. So what's the best way to get them on your side? And it's like, well, these guys are right wing. But, That's right. But if you sit down and you write out the tenets of, of socialism and, and Nazism and, and fascism and communism, there's, there's minor degrees of separation between them. Well, look, uh, tyranny is tyranny. And at the end of the day, if people are uh, being told what they can and can't do to a very large extent every day, if people are not allowed to freely earn and make a living and grow their wealth, um, then and if people are constantly in fear of being arrested for behaving in a way that's offensive to those in power, it doesn't really matter what sort of uh, T-shirt you're wearing, right? It doesn't matter the logo. Uh, it's tyranny. Uh, what your audience might find interesting, I always have some fun doing this. So I asked the audience uh, the other night when I spoke, I said, does anybody know where the terms right wing and left wing came from? And a young college student raised his hand and he said from the French Revolution and the National Assembly and the supporters of the monarch were on the right and the supporters of the, the, the commoners, the members of uh you know, the regular population, they were on the left. He was right. And then I said, but do you know why they were seated that way? And that one he didn't know. So in France, it was customary at, uh, say, a a private dinner gathering to have uh, the honored guests of the host sit to his right from the head of the table and for just the regular folks who were there to sit to the left. So this whole thing in America... Our language, where we hurl insults at each other and call people far left loons and uh, far right Nazis and all this crap, excuse me, all of it comes from French table manners. This is astonishing, right? This is how we've devolved. And uh, if people do go online and download for free the How America Broke Its Wings uh, pamphlet, uh, you can read the history. And the term kicked around in Europe for a century during uh, during the 1800s. It came to mean all sorts of things. Europeans got so confused, they had color coding that would look like you were going to Home Depot and looking at swatches on how to paint your living room. Because there were so many different colors for so many different types of politics, right? And um, so because we know we've used colors, right, as well as labels. But ultimately, what happened in the 20th century is that communism replaced the commoners in the left wing of that assembly in France. 
And then we had to have the Nazis replace the right wing simply so we could justify siding with Stalin against Hitler. Because in the end, now we're back to where we started. Tyranny is tyranny. The people in the Soviet Union were just as slaughtered as the ones in Germany were by their own leaders. Yeah. Yeah. So it was all it. The whole left right construct that we all argue about in the United States today was based on French table manners. Right. What, what we told ourselves in World War Two in order to make ourselves feel better about siding with commies, the commies. Right. That's that's exactly right. By the way, there's a fun point that just for your audience to think about that's not really related to politics. It's related to inflection points in history. So you imagine the the turmoil that's taking place in 1789 in France. We're still just ahead of the guillotine, right? And the country is unraveling. And so they call this this assembly to order to decide on whether or not the king, Louis XVI, should have an absolute veto, right? That's what they're meeting about. And then they have the people sit the way they sit. Who could imagine what would happen and how the world would be impacted, Western civilization would be impacted by the seating arrangement and the labeling of it at an assembly in France in 1789? Little things. Amazing. Brent Hamachek, it's always a pleasure. Great. Thank you very much for coming in. Everybody go to BrentHamachek.com and download How America Broke Its Wings. Highly recommended. Great read. I don't care where you are on the political aisle. We'll be back in three minutes. We've got Dave Summerall coming on the other side of the break. We'll be right back. If you call yourself a conservative, I have a question for you. What are you trying to conserve? The $29 trillion national debt and the continued out-of-control spending? The status quo of a bloated and corrupt federal government? The deterioration of a moral society. Become a constitutionalist. Conserve the unalienable rights of we the people and the document that is supposed to restrict our government and protect our rights. Support the Constitution Party, the only nationally recognized political party that stands for the founding principles of the U.S. Constitution. Every point of the Constitution Party platform is tied directly to that founding document which made the United States a great nation. Learn more, join, and support the Constitution Party at ConstitutionParty.com or your state's Constitution Party website. The American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. 
We must eat Welcome back. It's the top of the second hour of National Intel Report live on Republic Broadcasting Network for uh, Thursday, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. Liberty Lighthouse on Mojo 50 Radio and anywhere else you find the show. And as promised, coming back to the second half of the show with Mr. David Summerall. Welcome to the show, David. It's good to see you, my friend. How are you today? Nice to see you, my friend. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's also the anniversary of Kent State, isn't it? Where the government uh, was given permission to kill Americans. Kind of weird. I no, I got to I got to pick up the Google machine and check that out. Talk amongst yourselves for a minute. Let's check uh, it out. And, and you know, it's funny. The Proud Boys get their uh, seditious conspiracy uh, convictions on the same day as that. It's funny. We released our first uh, J Six documentary uh, just by God's uh, grace on the anniversary of Tiananmen Square, which is the same thing as January Six. These little timing things that keep happening are, uh, you know. Uh, they're a God thing, man. We couldn't plan what has happened as well as it has happened to mark history and to show what our government's actually doing to people. It's It's been a strange, strange absolutely. thing. You were absolutely right. May 4th, 1970, the Kent State Massacre. Yes. Yes. So Not much different. I, I get it. I have to ask. I mean, you're on Tucker Carlson, and then like two, three weeks later, he's no longer on Fox News. What What did you do? It's all my fault, man. I, I'm so sorry. I don't get part two now. What am I going to do? <laughs> I'm going to have to wait till he gets his new show. And his new, oh, wait. I mean, if he ever gets a new show ever, anywhere, maybe we can talk again. It's going to be great. He thinks that they silenced Tucker Carlson. Is stronger, man. He is like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Strike me down and you will make me stronger. That's exactly what happened here. And uh, I love that post that they put out. They said, uh, uh, unemployed man in basement. Uh, gets better ratings than Fox News on a tweet, you know, and that's exactly what happens. Yeah, yeah, what, what, he, yeah. So he put up like what was it, like a two minute video or something like that. Yeah, and and it had, I want to say five million views. Yeah, in in less than twelve hours, like which is insane. Yes, yeah, yeah, it is. Well, I shared it so everybody saw it. That's what happened. Is that what it is? <laughs> You've got that much pull that once you shared oh, it. Oh, man, I wish I did. I wish, you know, that's that's a really great point you touched on. I just want to get this one out of the way, if you don't mind. Sure. I went and spoke at an event on Saturday. And, you know, we've been beating this J6 drum for two and a half years. Um, I'm the guy that has talked about all the deaths that happened on that day of innocent protesters. And yet at this event, I had everyone raise your hand. You've heard about Ashley Babbitt. Raise your hand. You've heard about Roseanne Boylan. Who's heard about Kevin Greeson? Not a person in the crowd, bro. Not a person in the crowd. And these are people that are supposed to be in the know. And then I had a friend make it on a big show, on a big network, a big platform. And I'm proud of everybody that ever makes it onto a bigger network, you know. Uh, And there's no jealousy. That's not what I'm getting at. They said something about the eight suicides. And and I was like, oh, right, you know, great. People are going to hear more. And and then the, you know, conversation goes, and, and it's a matter of, why don't you direct them to where the information is? Why don't you Why don't you say stophate.com has that whole article? And I don't know, slip the mind, thinking about other things. I get it. I mean, interviewing is not easy in the first place. No. But I'm trying to hammer this point home that if you know something, tell something. If you see something, say something. Kind of goes with the – all this information is at stophate.com right now. Absolutely free, no charge, no membership, no nothing. Go get it. 
and share it with people. Get it and share it with people. Read it, learn it, understand it, talk about it. But share, share, share. That's what it's for. All the research, all the stuff we've done for free that nobody even knows about, brother. And it's frustrating, man. Now, one thing that's not free at StopBait.com, but it's still worth the buy, something everybody should do, everybody should should be getting. Yes. It's the American Gulag Chronicles. It's, uh, was it, 45 bucks for, like, 35 stories of the people that are in, in the prisons, the the uh, the American gulag, which those two words should never be used together. American gulag is is un-American. Yes, it is. And, you know, I did say those words on Tucker. I said hostages, terrorism, terrorist, gulag, book, all these things. Not anyone in the media reached out and said, what are you talking about hostages in America? What are you talking about a gulag? What are you talking about terrorism and terrorists? What are you saying? Not one person on our side or on the other side reached out to me to say, what's some more information? What do you mean 100% of the proceeds go to help the prisoners and their families? What, what are you talking about? Nobody asked, bro. That That's the level that we're at nationally. That's why it's up to the people. That's why I felt so bad when none of the people in the crowd knew who Kevin was. He should be just as well known as Ashley and Roseanne and Officer Sicknick, everyone. And we need to be the ones that know these stories and get that book and sew it back into the fabric of the country, like I always say. Absolutely. We The, the reason I like you, but the reason that I have you come on every month is because this is a story that we cannot forget. We have political prisoners in our republic, in our free nation. We have people that have spent years in jail basically because of their political opinion. Only. Yeah. Really? I mean, if you get down to it, because look at BLM. Those people didn't stay in jail if they even touched a jail. There weren't any outstanding, long-lasting effects to any other activism, peaceful protest stuff, you know, the summer love. But these people literally walked into an area that was deemed later that's a crime and worth jail time. I stepped on the grass, you know, when I testified in that court case a couple weeks ago. They said, do you realize you've, you've never been charged? So if you testify, we may bring criminal charges against you for being there on January 6th. I said, bring it, man. I'm going to testify. I'm not going to deny these people the witness and so many of us have to look at it like that, man. We're standing up for these people for their history, their past, their reputation, you know, their character. And, and, and a lot of people don't want to give them the time of day right now. And it's not fair to them. They stood for us. We should be standing for them. Absolutely. It's, I, I don't even know, like, right. So the whole January 6th political prisoner thing, it, it got on my radar with uh, Kenneth Harrelson because yeah. he's a disabled vet. And I first saw the the problem, the story, the whatever you want to call it. I, I first saw when his wife Angel had posted the letter that she got from the VA cutting off not only his you know medically retired pension, yeah, but also health care for his family. When I saw that letter, which the other thing, okay, so if you're convicted of treason or sedition, then yeah, you're supposed to lose all of that stuff. Sure. That's, that's after a conviction. Yeah. She got that letter at the urging of the Biden Justice Department. That's right. Before there was a trial. That's right. 
That's right. You've been accused. Oh, and you know what? It wasn't just we're going to stop your health care and your benefits. You have to pay us back to January 6th. And, you know, that means we're going to lose the house. We're going to lose the truck. We're going to lose the schooling. We're going to lose all the preparation and planning and leave them in a worse way. Listen, Angel is a dear friend of mine through this whole thing. I've seen this firsthand, and it's as real as it gets. And and, and people like that that are innocent, you know, and, and I don't know what people's different definitions are of that because, man, it's so subjective. If it, it depends on how much you actually know about the day and what happened and the timing and the events and who started what. It, it's really confusing. And I think the saddest part to me as a, as a nation is the fact that you've got us split into two groups intentionally, and you say – one group says, look, we didn't do anything. We're cop supporters. We would never hurt a policeman. They attacked us. You, you don't understand. You weren't there. It's like the rape story you're trying to explain to somebody. And they're over here saying, well, you shouldn't have worn those shorts. The dress was too short. You shouldn't have been in that place at that time. Bad on you. And we don't believe you. We believe you killed someone. We believe you hurt these. We, you tried to overthrow the government. That's our civil war moment. You know, I, I don't I don't think it even has to be any more violent than it was. We lost four people. We've had that emotional experience and, and, and people just don't realize it yet. And I think that's the theft of the century as far as what our government has taken from us through the history. And now they're teaching up north in schools that January 6th led to the death of five officers, all these things. They don't talk about the four civilians that were murdered. They're trying to literally transfer those policemen for the citizens and, and make this another land grab, another power grab for the funding, for the control, for the laws and, and the systems in place. You know, they're getting a brand new surveillance system in D.C. They're blaming that on the Jason. Oh, we can never let this happen again. So we need a twenty seven, twenty eight million dollar new state of the art surveillance system on the whole complex. That's Which is stupid because there's video of them the whole freaking time. They, they- the paperwork that I've read in the government database that has all the things that the DOJ was, that the, the Metro police were going to do, that the Capitol police were do, everything that's highlighted in yellow as super important did not get done. They're talking about the wall around the exterior, the very perimeter wall. And they said, look, we've got this wall. We're going to use it as a barricade, too, and we'll bring more for, you know, and, and troops or whatever. They never did any of that. That People were climbing over that wall. At the curb of the street, the wall's like this tall. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. And, and they thought that was going to be some kind of literal barricade for thousands and thousands. Of oh, they're going to see this wall. It's two feet tall, and they're not going to want to climb it. All the things that they they had in yellow, and people will see this eventually, I'm sure, uh, of all the things that they didn't do right that caused this to happen. It's that choreographed yeah. chaos that we always talk about. It was definitely choreographed. Yeah. I mean, are you like, – Forget the whole politics of the thing. Yeah. Let's just pretend that you're in charge of security at a building. I don't care what building it is. You know, you you work for a company. And that company is expecting, I don't know, maybe a million people. Maybe a couple hundred thousand people. Yeah. You don't really know because you're expecting, you're guessing. But it could be as many as a million. I don't care if those people have been peaceful every day of their lives. There's a there's something called mob mentality. You get tons of people together, bad crap happens. 
So of course you're going to prepare for it. Yeah. But not in Washington, D.C. No, not on January 6th. God forbid we prepare for the potentially million or more people that are going to descend on the Capitol building. Well, it, it's real funny, too, because if you had a thousand Antifa BLM protesters, they would board the windows up in town, mm-hmm. knowing that those cats will come through and just break glass to hear it hit the ground because they like the sound of it or something. And, and so when D.C. came along, those same shop owners boarded their windows up thinking that that we would do the same kind of stuff that they did of course zero of that happened right well, that day there was none of that but they boarded their windows up but yeah the, the 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 people on the hill are still trying to say oh we didn't even know they were coming we didn't know how many we weren't prepared for everybody knew they were coming everybody knew so this is one of those things that you know it's really sad to see the level and that's what i was saying about the the social part of it it hurts our feelings not to be trusted because we, we want to be good people. We've made our own way. We earn our own living. We don't ask for handouts. We're not those folks. And we back the blue. And for people not to believe us, I, I think that's what's really hurting people in their core right now, in their soul, is to say, we're not the bad guys. And, and they've made us out to be the bad guys. It's like Coy Griffin said, there's nothing like spending time in jail for something you're innocent of. But yet here we are with the Proud Boys. They're looking at seditious conspiracy, 20 years of their lives spent in jail for something they did not do. And it's obvious that they didn't do. And this court case should have been thrown out months ago for various reasons, not just one, not just two, not just five, probably 10 different reasons that it should have been stopped long ago. It's all political. And it's been admitted that it's political. I was just reading through the transcripts of the, of the trial that I was in. And the judge is sitting right there in the transcripts. Yeah, this is political, political. Like, wow, I can't wait to publish this stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, not the least of those reasons being the FBI investigated and said they found no collusion, no planning. What they said about five or six months in, they came out with this big thing. Oh, no, no plan. So I'm not the smartest guy in the world. You know, I, (laughs) I only went to high school. I didn't go to college or anything like that, but if there's no planning, how can you have a seditious conspiracy? Like, isn't conspiracy multiple people planning together? Like, isn't that the definition of what conspiracy is? Yeah. And they didn't find that, did they? They're like, well, there wasn't really a plan. But they're all guilty of it. You know, it's kind of like, that's a great idea. You know, Coy Griffin's case, he had two charges. One was for entering a restricted area, entering and remaining or whatever. And one was like, or knowingly entering and remaining. The other was for trespass. Well, he got off on the knowingly because he didn't really know. Yes, he climbed up a barricade, but he didn't realize that that there was really a barricade way back that that you weren't supposed to cross. But they got him for trespass. So you didn't know you were trespassing, but we're going to get you for trespassing, even though you didn't know. I mean, there's thousands of people. You're just walking through doing your thing and praying over the crowd. So that's the kind of breakdown. You know, how can you be guilty of one and not the other or not guilty of one, but still guilty of it? It makes no sense. It's an upside down world. Yeah. And that that was the other thing. The... um but I, I can't even remember what it was. It was something about Angel's case, like what he was versus wasn't convicted of, like convicted of, of this 
of planning to disrupt a con. A- well, it's the fifteen twelve, the official proceeding, the twenty years. Like you were after the ballots or not? Like we're going to go find these ballots and destroy them, and that way you can never know what the vote was. That that was nobody's intent. That's the Enron part of it, and, and to get those kind of things, it's, it's just stupid. But you know. We showed those videos where, uh, you know, you got Proud Boys walking right by the cops saying, you know, don't make us stand behind you. The the court, the show sham committee showed a little bitty piece. And then when you show the whole part before it, plus that little bitty piece, it tells a totally different story. They've been doing this to this whole crew the whole time. And, and they won't let us come out with the absolute truth. They wouldn't even let me show video from my investigation work in the trial that I was in. They wouldn't let me be an expert witness. I'm oh, like, no. I have access to what the Congress can't see at my leisure on any device I choose. How can I not be an expert? But no, these courts, they want to intimidate you. They wanted to threaten me with charges. They wouldn't let me be an expert. All these different restrictions and causations for me not to want to testify. But like I said, we have to stand up and be witness for these people. So, speaking of your access to stuff. So Tucker had gotten all the videos from Congress and now Tucker's not on Fox anymore. Yeah. Have you reached out to Tucker's people to say, Hey, give me all that stuff since you're not on Fox and let me put it on stop com. Oh, wouldn't that be neat? Well, you know, and honestly the way that worked and a lot of people don't understand they were given access to the kiosk at the government. You know, they had to really go to the Capitol and view the video there. I talked to the producers and they went and gathered the materials and got, you know, the permissions for what they wanted to take with them. But they don't like have a, a code to get into the database from, say, their computer at their office. They, they can't do that. They literally have to go to the government and sit there with them and go through the stuff and say, we want this one, this one, this one, this one. They get approval. That's why they made them redact part of the video in the Tucker scene. But it wasn't redacted in the HBO movie. Now, you explain why HBO doesn't listen to the Capitol and, hey, would you please redact those windows for us? Well, why did they redact them in Tucker if they've already been seen on HBO? What is this, another smoking mirrors thing? Right. That they, you know, it's a Ray Epps deal. Oh, Ray Epps. Oh, my gosh. Let's chase this rabbit for two years and not talk about the deaths, not talk about the murders, not talk about the carnage, the brutality, the little ladies getting their heads split open, people getting shot in the face with a grenade launcher, get their teeth knocked out. Let's not talk about any of the realities. Let's talk about these mythical FBI Fed informant people. It's it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. All right, we've got six minutes. I want to tell people about Romika Designs. Mother's Day is, oh my God, it's coming up quick. It's like 10 days away. Yes. Romika Designs, R-O-M-I-K-A, designs.com. Go to RomikaDesigns.com. My friend Ron will custom laser engrave, laser cut, laser etch. He will make you the coolest, like, custom, personalized thing that you want. And uh, use code LIGHTHOUSE when you go to RomikaDesigns.com for your Mother's Day gifts for your wife, for your mom, for your grandmom. I don't know about you. I still give my grandmother Mother's Day gifts. I only have one, only have one grandma left. Yeah. So yeah. of all of my grandparents, I got one left. That's great, man. You're a lucky man. I'll tell you that. So how do you spell Romika again? R-O-M-I-K-A designs.com. Romika designs.com. My friend Ron, Ron Phillips, wonky-eyed Ron, runs Romika Designs with his family. It's Actually, it's kind of funny. We always like Romika. That's just weird. R-O-M-I-K. It's R-O for Ron, 
M-I for, for I don't know, his wife and his daughter. M-I and K-A. It's it's the first two letters of his wife and his daughter's names. That's I how like he that. came up with Romika. That's awesome, man. For all co-owners, he has, I don't know, I don't know how many lasers he has anymore. Um, I told him I want him to to uh, laser engrave the Constitution on like a half-sheet plywood kind of thing. I mean, and I, so like, I'll buy that if he was Yeah. So he's looking into it. Well, that's great. I'm going to definitely check that out for myself and my family. And, and I encourage everybody to do that. It's it's so funny. We watch these local vendors. We have to support these folks. This is what the buy local thing is. And yeah, man, I love it. I love it every bit. I mean, he's not local to me. He's down there in Texas. Doesn't matter. It's one he's of us. Small yeah. Business. yeah. And he's one of us. Yeah. We're still going to use the shipping. Hey, America is local. You know, we're just using shipping and all that stuff. But buying from people that have the same values as us is so important. And, and, and to change those little buying habits, and we've got promo kit. You know, you, if you want pillows and sheets and all that stuff, you have to buy it anyway. Towels, house shoes, robes. If you want to buy coffee, it's changing. It's this shirt. It's, it's our T-shirt. It's the J6 Witness thing. You know? And, and if people do that, it supports our ministry. It lets us help keep... You're going to be at a lot of those at the next event in Florida that Clay Clark's doing. They're taking a bunch of T-shirts down there, so they're going to start being seen more around. And, you know, that's exciting for us to know that the word's getting out. I haven't talked to Clay in a while. I need to bring – I should probably reach out and get him back on the show. Absolutely. Before Miami, too, that's a big Trump event. And then they've got the Las Vegas one, I think, after that. So, I mean, things are happening. You know, people are not sitting on their heels and uh, the motivated ones are, are even more motivated, just trying to drag as many people along as we can. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I, I reached out to somebody in the, the Constitution Party recently. I had a, I've written my own brand new, new declaration, I call it. It's, 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 uh, it's modeled after Thomas Jefferson's Declaration of Independence. It's based on our grievances today against our own federal government. I put it up as a blog post on my own website. It's about 4,000 words, so roughly the size of the U.S. Constitution. I basically justify why I'm writing it, then I list out the grievances, and then I list out the conclusion, very similar to the, to, uh, you know, the Declaration of Independence. And I even quote large portions of the Declaration of Independence in this. It's called the, the New Declaration. Um, go to liberty-lighthouse.com slash blog, and, and, and you'll find it there, or just click the blog button. But I, I sent that to somebody in the Constitution Party before I put it on any of the Constitution Party platforms. And I said, is this appropriate for the Constitution Party? And the answer is no, because it's it's too argumentative. Because I, I call for the abolishment of, of all the alphabet agencies and nonsense. And he said... They don't like the word abolish. They don't want to scare people away. They don't, you know, I'm like, okay, that's fine. I just, that's why I asked before I posted it. But he responded and he said, you know, hey, thanks for continuing the fight. It's been years now and you're still in it. And and most people just kind of come along. They get all ambitious and they do something for a minute and they don't do it anymore. And that's what it is. So I've been doing all of my political stuff. You know, I wrote the two books. I do the show. I built the website, blah, 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 for about five years. And I just recently figured out I lose like $400 a year doing all of this stuff. So, yeah, 
use those promo codes. Yes. Use, you know, go to the website, buy a T-shirt or a bumper sticker or something. Yes. I greatly appreciate it. I don't want to get rich or famous. I don't like the idea of walking down the street, people going, hey, you're that guy. But you know it's what? But your show, your content, it's worth it. It's worthy. It's proven. And you stay in the fight. That's the thing. A lot of these, you know, uh, summer soldiers don't stay. You're here, brother. And I'm glad to see that. I am here. Wow, that stuck up on me. We had like 22 seconds left. Everybody, this is Dave Sumrall. Go to StopAid.com. Support the J6 political prisoners. Buy a t-shirt. Buy the American Gulag Chronicles book. Do some stuff. Support the J6 prisoners. We'll be back in three minutes. Meal delivery kits are very convenient, but man, are they expensive. And that's where every plate comes in. Every plate is only $4.99 a portion. If you go to liberty-lighthouse.com slash everyplate, I'll get you a great introductory offer, knocking that first box down to $1.79 a portion, and then $3.99 a portion for the next two boxes, saving you $62 just for trying every plate. That's liberty-lighthouse.com slash everyplate. Another ragtag band Declaring independence Laid their bodies down On a bloody war And liberty for their descendants Thanks Liberty for their descendants We're their descendants And that's well, that's why I do what I do. That's why we do the show. That's why I spend two hours every week talking on on the radio, and I've spent countless hours handing out copies of the Constitution, countless hours writing my two books, and countless hours researching this show and researching the Liberman. And do, man, I I spent a lot of time focusing on our liberty, our independence. The United States of America, our people, our citizens. It's the final segment of our show tonight for May the 4th, Thursday, May the 4th. It's the final segment, and, uh, well, let's go back to what we started with. We started the show talking about the bank failures and, and well, it just financial problems that we have the, the the federal reserve raising interest rates yet again 10 times in a row now talked about fractional reserve banking where even if five percent of us went and just decided to take all of our money out of a bank it would probably crash the banking system that we have today but there's more there's a lot more and there's a little bit of hope there's there's a little something there that we might be able to take. But it is the final segment. We've got like 25 minutes left of the show. We're here two hours every Thursday night. Live on Republic Broadcasting Network and a whole bunch of video platforms. But we're a live call-in show. So I'd like to open the phone lines again. We've got 
25 minutes left. It's all yours. You can call in and tell me about whatever you want to talk about. I like the idea of trying to stay on this whole financial topic. So the phone line, 512-248-8252-800-313-9443, if you like that whole toll-free option. And, oh, look at that. We got a chat over in the, uh, what is that, Twitch. Over in Twitch, somebody watching watching the video on Twitch says usury, 5.25% interest rate, be- benchmark interest rate, meaning what was possible interest rate. It's 5.25%. And Truth Seeker Donald, love the name, Truth Seeker Donald. Um, Truth Seeker Donald said usury. You're darn skippy. I mean, that might not quite be usury yet, but it's getting really close. You know, me, I live in Pennsylvania. I sold a business once. Very, very small business. I sold it for three thousand dollars very small business and i sold it to somebody and i we set up a a payment plan and i charged interest and i had to look and in pennsylvania the charge of usury comes in any interest rate higher than ten percent So me as an individual, a private citizen, if I loan money to somebody else, I can't charge more than 10% without being charged with usury. But the Federal Reserve can charge 5.25%, and then your local bank can add 3% to that and make it 8.25%. And your your credit card company, well, they can charge it 20%, and nobody cares That's part of the problem with our entire financial system. Just like part of the problem with, well, basically everything wrong with our government is consistency. Why can't we have one rule that applies to everybody? You know, campaign finance. You know, I can't give more than, I don't know what the number is, let's say $2,500. I can't give more than $2,500 to a campaign but but the corporation down the street can give millions. Well, why is that? Oh, that's inconsistency. I can't charge more than 10% interest, but the bank, well, they can charge 20. Consistency. This is part of the problem with our country as it exists today. So we ended the first segment of the show right around 6.30 Eastern Time, if you're listening live, talking about the Federal Reserve and the bank 10 consecutive increases to the benchmark interest rate at 5.25%. I want to talk a little bit about Andrew Jackson. President Andrew Jackson in 1832. This is something I want you all to to look up. This is a really a great read. I know it's a little bit of a pain to read things written in the 1800 just to get past the, you know, the differences in language between now and then. But in 1832, 
There was an act entitled an act to incorporate the subscribers to the Bank of the United States. So in 1832, there already was a Bank of the United States. And it was chartered for, I don't know, 10 years or 5 years or whatever it was. But in 1832, Congress decided that they wanted to extend that charter. Even though there was there were still four years left on the existing charter. Now Andrew Jackson, though a racist who, you know, trail of tears and all that kind of stuff, was no fan of big overreaching government. Andrew Jackson vetoed that bill to charter for the next four years, but he did a fan-freaking-tastic job of spelling out many reasons why he vetoed that bill, why the Bank of the United States was benefiting foreign interests more than it was uh, American interests, why it was benefiting the rich people more than the poor people, why... Would you extend it four years before it expired? You know, then limiting the power of Congress four years from now. He did a great job explaining why he was vetoing the bill. It's a great read. You really should look it up. The Andrew Jackson veto of an act to incorporate the subscribers to the Bank of the United States in 1832. Great thing to look up. But one of the things I want to point out about this particular veto is something that has been said many, many times. It was said by Reagan. It was said said by Teddy Roosevelt. It was said by Andrew Jackson. Experience should teach us wisdom. Most of the difficulties of our government now encounters and most of the dangers which impede our union have sprung from an abandonment of the legitimate objects of government by our national legislation. And that's why I'm a constitutionalist. Most of the problems that we have at the federal level spring from ignoring our Constitution, ignoring the powers delegated to our federal government in the U.S. Constitution. But Patrick in Texas, line one, welcome to the show, Patrick. Thank you very much. Uh well, listen to the gentleman talk about the you know, January 6ers or and uh, cross-legged. And uh, I think uh, Attorney General Ashcroft, uh, who uh, Mark Levin worked for, who had, uh, and uh, he said, if you uh, disagree with the federal government, you are a domestic terrorist. And uh, here's right. a... So, here it is, and uh, this is an extract here from the sovereign citizen here. Uh, just, um, the federal government has instructed our federal, state, local police agency that everyone who purports to be a sovereign should be treated 
as a terrorist. That's going from the federal government telling all your federal, state, local police. Anybody that says they're a solvent should be treated as a terrorist. But you got a right. Supreme Court case. So what we have here... So what you have here is this attorney general and many other people, not just the attorney general, saying something and acting upon something that is in a direct opposition to the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. The First Amendment, free speech, freedom of religion, and the right to address grievances to our government. But... According to this attorney general and the people appointed below him, I would assume, you you can't do that. You can't oppose our federal government or you're a terrorist, which, I, that's tyranny. Patrick? You know, uh, I wanted to, there's a Supreme Court case, it's a very famous case, Bond versus U.S., 2000, Supreme Court held that the American people are, in fact, sovereign. The Supreme Court held that the American people are sovereign and not the states or the government. The court went on to define that local and state federal law enforcement officers are, were committing unlawful action against the sovereign people by the enforcement of these laws and personally liable for their actions. So, uh, but then... I mean, they, they just run right over you, you know. They, 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 they compartmentalize all the evidence. They intimidate uh, jury tampering. They just, all the dirty tricks you could possibly imagine when they want to get somebody. Um, but here's another uh, excerpt from, uh, from a great American adventure by retired federal judge Dale, page 99. The federal and state governments are not real. They are privately owned corporations called governments, and the laws is nothing more than their corporate regulations called statutes. So it's color of law is what they're using. But they get you by they yeah. misidentifying you. Right. You ever well, heard that? It's, it, this is my, my whole problem with the government as it exists today. It's the color of law, to use your term. Um, so, you know, the, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, tells you how you can use water on your own land that you own. You know, the, the Department of Education tells your local school board what they have to or don't have to teach. All of this. The EPA, there's no authorization in the, in the U.S. Constitution for an environmental protection agency or for a Department of Education. But we treat regulation as law in this country, which is not the case. Regulate. It's really, I mean, a freaking fourth grader can understand the U.S. Constitution, Article 1, only Congress can pass laws. There's no exceptions. There's no authority to delegate that in the Constitution. Only Congress can pass laws. But we treat all of these supposed regulations as law. 
Yeah. Yeah. I just uh, want to mention, though, is that, yeah, but actually they're just supposed to be paying the bills, you know, and, you know, and the, and, uh, and there's a bill on Capitol Hill, you know, uh, but uh, a bill, that's all it's supposed to do is be paying the bills. They ain't supposed to be, so quote unquote, making laws that they've made, a, they've made an obsession with that. They, what they, really, when they did one right, they done a constitutional amendment for prohibition. And then they, they got to the blowback by, you know, returning, uh, 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 lawsuits against them, they, they retracted that. They done that one right. But all this other stuff they're doing, that only pertains to their own organization, the federal government. And they, we, they miss it, they, they, we misunderstand what they're doing here. Just like what they did with, uh, uh took the gold in, uh, in, uh, 1933, uh, they took the gold. But if you would have read what the order was in the final part, that was only pertain to the civil servants and the federal employees. Nobody read that. They just assumed, and they wanted you to look, to think like that. So they got everybody's gold. And that's how they get us. You now they, over and over, they, uh, they, you know, they, they issued their you know, executive order from uh, the CEO of the U.S. Corporation, aka our president, and, uh, and then, and then we take that as, as law. But no, he's just issuing, you know, orders after his, through his branch of, of, of government. You know, that's the only thing he's got power over. But yeah, it's 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 a classic, you know, bait and switch type thing. They 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 misidentify us, and um, yeah, there's 80 million statutes and codes out there, but that's really supposed to be just for that for the government. People don't have a clue that there's different branches of government, and they they've erased everything, like the 13th Amendment, you know. Uh, and uh, there's there was uh, uh, the other other constitutions were the document of glass and. 2000, they disappeared, uh, and uh, they had the uh, Sam Houston Library, and uh, they had a, they had a copy of it there, and then all and that's missing too. So they are they are erasing our history, as you know, in, in real time, and uh, you know, and if, if, if you don't know, if, if you control the present, controls the past, you control the past, controls the future. If you can change the past, you control the future. And we get, they're getting rid of our, all of our uh, heroes, how, you know, how our customs and traditions, and and in uh, a way of life. And now they can lay down what they want. Well, yeah, well, they're doing it with everything. The government does whatever they want to do at this point, and we, the people, have have been, well, we we just haven't been paying attention for so long. It's nice to see that some people are starting to wake up and pay attention now. But a lot of what you're, uh, I don't know how to say this. I think we need to start by holding the government accountable to what is in the U.S. Constitution and what isn't. So that's where my my new declaration that I, I mentioned in the, in the last segment, I wrote, a new declaration from we the people to our federal government. And it spells out the grievances, or many of the grievances, I'm not going to say all, but many of the grievances against our current iteration of the federal government. And it's a new declaration that you can read, and there's a link where you can sign it. And if I get enough signatures, I might forward it off to, you know, 
Congress and all that kind of stuff. But you go to my website, liberty-lighthouse.com, and click on blog, on the blog post, and it's the first one there. It's called New Declaration. And I urge you to read it. I urge you, I, I want comments. I want feedback. And so far, you know, lots of people have clicked the sign here button, but, but nobody's given me any feedback. Nobody's, nobody's put any comments on it. But I want people to read it because I think it, I think I did a pretty good job of, I'm not saying that we'd get the whole government under control, but I think it would, this would be a really good first step if we can make this happen. So liberty-lighthouse.com and then click the blog. L-O-G. Click the blog and look at that. What's that? One more thing that I'd like to say is that the guy, your your previous guest, you got it, man. This is American Gulag. And uh, that's the same people who run the the Gulag system. And, uh, you know, like 90% of the Cheka was, was Jewish. And, uh, you know, they run, the, they run the gulags also. And what we got here is the same thing. They're running this thing, and you, you can be in a state of denial, you know, or you want, just like the, like the, uh, the Soviets, uh, the Russians did. They didn't, want to, they didn't want to stand up, you know, and they just marched them off, killed 60 million of them. But that's, he nailed that part. You know, if you could put the pieces together, that's where we're at. And uh, I thank you for taking my call. Hey, thanks for calling. Always appreciate it, Patrick. And uh, that's a good point for me to talk to Mount the Shop at liberty-lighthouse.com. That's right, my own website, liberty-lighthouse.com. Go to the shop. I've got bumper stickers. I've got T-shirts. I've even got a whiskey glass so you can sip your bourbon while you listen to the show, just like I'm sipping a bourbon while I'm recording the show or broadcasting the show. Buy something. I appreciate it. Bumper stickers are great. And uh, if you see something, if you think, hey, I want this on a bumper sticker, let me know. I can make a new one real quick. Liberty-lighthouse.com. Click on the shop link and uh, buy some. I greatly appreciate it because I need your help. There are only three ways to change government. The soapbox, the ballot box, and the O-box. Choose wisely. Going back to the whole financial situation of the United States, one of the things that came up tonight, precious metals versus paper currency. Paper currency has been controversial since the beginning of time. I mean, uh, Thomas Jefferson in 1775 wrote about England's overuse of paper currency and how it was a problem. And then when do you take the Well, before we move on. Of course, the problem with paper currency is the lack of backing. Like the system that we have now, the, the Treasury says, hey, we need more money. And they, the Federal Reserve goes click, 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 click on the keyboard, and poof, they create more money. There's no backing to it. Nothing was done to create it. It was created out of thin air. You know, Joe Biden says, well, we're going to spend X number of dollars, and Congress, you know, passes a 
multi-trillion dollar spending bill. There's no backing to any of this. They just create money out of thin air. Which means that's basically what it's worth is thin air. It's not worth anything. It's worth whatever we the people say it's worth, what we think it's worth. And Jefferson even recognized that in 1775. So it's not a new concept that paper money is bad. I mean, going back even further, you can go back to, you know, ancient Rome when they started removing the, 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 the whatever, the, the precious metals from their coins when the denarii had less and less silver in it as time went on. Paper currency is paper currency. It's worth whatever we believe it to be worth. Whereas precious metals, something tangible, well, it's always had an intrinsic value. So that's a problem. And then when you take the paper currency, the fiat currency, and does anybody know where the idea, where the term fiat currency came from? Well, the idea, you know, a fiat, a fiat is when somebody just says something and dictates something. So fiat currency is basically, it exists because of some dictator fiat. And if you take our fiat currency and you add in the idea of fractional reserve banking which I talked about earlier in the show if you missed it go back read it I don't want to go into it again fractional reserve banking plus fiat currency equals disaster it's only a matter of time before this entire system just collapses but the newest one the newest thing that hit the, the you know airwaves the newest headline out there about our financial situation is the biden administration's new rules on mortgages like i hope you saw this because this is just freaking ridiculous under this this new mortgage rule again rule not law not passed by Congress, created by one of the 440 alphabet agencies. Under this new rule, consumers with low credit ratings or less money for down payments, or both, would qualify for better mortgage rates than they would otherwise. So the federal government is stepping into the housing market and the banking industry and dictating that people with bad credit scores or people without down payments can qualify for better mortgages. Man, am I the only one who thinks that sounds familiar? I seem to remember back in, I don't know, 2006, 2007, there was all of these rules. 
about making a housing affordable, making it so that the poor colored people, because, you know, mortgages are inherently racist. So we, we, the government, we have to make it so that more people of color can qualify for mortgages. So the federal government reached into the mortgage industry and made it so that more people who can't afford a home can qualify for a mortgage in 2006, 2007. And then we all remember what happened in 2008, right? We had this this big housing bubble because all of a sudden there's all these people buying houses. And then shortly thereafter, we realized that, oh yeah, none of these people can afford these houses. And then there's the housing crash of 2008. What we have going on now with these new rules, remarkably similar to what happened in 2006, 2007, 2008. Hey, let's do that right in the middle of a recession while banks are failing. That's a great idea. What say you, Robert, in Illinois, on line one? Oh, my uh, God, I ran out of time. Robert, of I'm time? sorry. I got to cut you off. I'm out of time already. I'm sorry. My bad. I don't know. I hear music playing. I don't know. I got to go, man. I'm sorry. Show's over. My bad. I'm great. I'm really, really sorry. I would have shut up sooner. If you're listening live on Republic Broadcasting Network, stay tuned for Edge of Darkness with Jeffrey Bennett. Thanks to our guest tonight. Thanks to Mike, the producer. I couldn't do the show without you. Thank you to the listeners, callers hear why we do this until next week protect your liberties once they're gone there's no back. god bless america I've been sleeping on a my pillow pillow for years, and a couple of years ago, I tried the my pillow towels, soft and absorbent, wonderful bath towels. Recently, I got the my Giza dream sheets, and they are by far the best quality bed sheets I've ever owned. And while well, the quilt is pretty awesome too, new products being added all the time at mypillow.com, including sandals and slides and pajamas and well everything that you need for sleeping. Use the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyPillow.com to save yourself up to 66% off. That's the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyPillow.com.